Hey, good morning everyone. How are you guys? I think it's not too late to still say Happy New Year. I think because especially some of you are meeting for the first time, especially for the visitors. Welcome to our church. I'm Pastor Fergus, the pastor of this church together with a great team, including Pastor Ramesh uh, sitting over there. So we'd love to get to know you. Now, it is a new year and I think last week I did say to, to all of you guys that I'm a bit of a New Year goals junkie, okay? And so today we'll, be, we'll still remain in that space. In in fact, we are, in a, we are in the second week of a little series that I call New Year, New Things, okay? How many of you guys, you like starting new things in a new year? It's your thing, right? right? Okay, I see, I see some of you guys. And then for some of the rest of you, maybe you're a bit more realist. It's like, uh, it's, just, it's just a calendar thing, you know? Um, it, it felt like the same yesterday, feels the same tomorrow, you know? And that's okay. That's okay because we constantly want to grow. And even if you find yourself in the middle of a year, and you, and you sense that something needs to change, you don't wait until the new year, you know, um, uh, to start new things. You start new things whenever new things need to be started. But as we begin this new year, I want to inspire all of us to grow. To grow in our spiritual walk with God. To grow and start to assign over our lives some spiritual growth goals. So that's what we are going to be in. Now, here's the thing, okay? Um, uh, we are all stewards over our minds. We are stewards over our lives, over our bodies, over our strengths, over our, 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 all our faculties and our time as well. God gives it to us, not for us to spend however we like, though technically, He does give you the license to spend however you like, but He does say to you, there is a way in which I would like you to spend it. It's very much like when parents give their children allowance. Okay? So when uh, parents, if you, if you, if you all kind of understand what I mean, right? If you give your child like a 20 ringgit thing at the mall and you say like, okay, I, you know, you, know you, can, you can technically spend it however you like, but actually we would love for them to spend it, you know, sensibly, right? We would not want them to spend it on tw 20, ring, 20 ringgit worth of, um, of what, what, what would be the, uh, extremely, of, of, of skittles, right? They would be like, oh my gosh, kids, can you all make a better decision with your money, right? Um, but, and so in very much the same way, we desire, God desires from us wise, responsible stewardship of the resources He gives us. And He doesn't give us 20 ringgit to just run around in a mall for an hour. He gives us good minds, enabled bodies, and the same amount of time as the guy who makes a billion bucks, right, each day. He gives us a set of resources and tells us that you have these things. Now, you can compare your circumstances with someone else's and you can compare it unfavorably and you can sit in a pity party or you can say, this is my lot in life, this is the hand I've been dealt, I want to do the best with it. And with this hand, whatever hand I have, whatever starting hand you have, you play it to your best and you grow. And as you play to your best and you keep pulling new cards out of the draw, draw pile, you get better hands. But the thing is, if you don't play your hand and you play it badly, you keep drawing new things, 
sometimes those new things don't match anymore and then you realise that even as new opportunities come for you, if you played your hand poorly at the start of the year, sometime in the middle of the year, you may find that you can't even rescue some of the mess that, has, that, that, that you have dug yourself into a few months prior. And so I'm passionate about all of us starting the year right. Amen? So this year, this week, we want to talk about God giving us a commission to grow things, right? To grow things. And I want to show you a few, a, a few pieces of correspondence, ancient correspondence between uh, um, uh, different men, different teachers, and their church. It's called New Testament, right? It's called New Testament. And these little bits of correspondence show you the heart of the teachers, the heart of the pastors talking to their flock and encouraging them to grow. And you're going to see the expectations scale as I show you different bits of correspondence. The first one I'm showing you is from, is from Peter. Peter, the Apostle Peter writing um, to, to a cluster of churches in 1 Peter chapter 2, right? He says this, and this cluster of churches, um, you're gonna, if you read 1 Peter, you're going to discover that he talks to them about salvation. He talks to them about, um, about the suffering that's happening around them and that now that they are believers, they are facing persecution. And so you can quite safely assume that uh, at least a big population among his recipients are reasonably new to their faith. So they are reasonably new to this whole Christian thing and they are facing now the blowback of making a decision to bend their knee before a different king. And that has ramifications. And now Peter is encouraging them, saying that you have a new God now. You have a new king now. You have a new Lord. You have a new way of life. And this way, new way of life may be a bit jarring sometimes and I want to encourage you. So Peter says this to them, like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the Word so that by it, you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So that last bit is really saying that if in fact you really, you genuinely have tasted that the Lord is good, that Yahweh is good, if you really have come into this faith, then I want to say this to you. Crave the Word the way a baby craves pure milk. I was just having a conversation uh, uh, before the service started that babies, it's just something about babies that are magnetic and, uh, and, uh, and when a baby walks into the room, mum brings the baby into the room, five, six people will gather around them, you know, and like, ah, and you won't see that happening with, 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 with toddlers, right? You know, so ba there's something about a baby and maybe it's because babies uh, can't run away, maybe it's because they are vulnerable and they're just so sweet and small and they're just eminent Emanating uh, uh, um, cuteness. But the thing about babies is there's one thing that they just need. They need the mother's love and they need to drink milk. And that nourishes the child. You can't feed them pizza. It won't go down, right? Um, the babies drink milk. And it's in the simplicity of the makeup of the mum's milk or, if you will, formula milk or whatever. Actually, formula milk is not simple in its makeup. But um, it's in the simplicity of the makeup of milk that a baby can ingest and grow. But you, you and I know, at some point, a baby transitions to solids. 
In the same way, at some point, a gathering of disciples transits to solids. And so I want to show you another piece of correspondence from a different teacher to a different church, okay, who are moving along on their journey in maturity as a group of believers, okay? So this one comes from the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth. Now, the church in Corinth, okay? Um, look at me first, okay? Um, now, the church in Corinth was worldly. They were, if you imagine Babylon, you imagine modern-day New York, if you imagine modern-day... KL, you know, um, very cosmopolitan, uh, uh, culturally very liberal, uh, um, even if I may say uh, sexual ethics, very liberal, you know, uh, so maybe, maybe even more advanced than KL, I'm not sure, right, okay? And so this church was struggling uh, to grow into maturity properly, okay? And so Paul wrote this to them, for my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you because he visited them, he left them, and now he's writing to them. For my part, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, meaning I could only speak to all of you guys as fleshly people. So he had to change his language, he had to change his wording, he had to change his entire approach. He couldn't speak to them as people who shared with him a spiritual kind of assumption. Why? As babies in Christ, he had to speak to them as babies. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready because you are still worldly. Now, wow, this sounds like a bit of a scolding. Eh? Now, you notice that, that one letter ago, when Peter wrote to that cluster of churches, it was okay for them uh, to be spoken of as babies. It was okay for them to be, to, to be considered drinking milk. But in a different setting, Paul is saying to them, guys, not okay anymore. I expected more from you. Actually, what was happening there, they were, the church was got people suing people. Lah, and then like uh, this guy having an affair with another person's mother-in-law, uh, no, having an affair with his own mother-in-law, you know, or some, some, something like that, stepmother. Yeah, someone was sleeping with his stepmother. And there was like um, all kinds of scandals happening in that church. They were fleshly, they were worldly. And so Paul was saying, I expected more from you guys. Y'all should have matured more by now. Now, I want to show you the next piece of letter. Okay, the next piece of letter comes from the writer of Hebrews. We don't know who is the author of Hebrews, but we know that he was dealing with a situation that seems even more advanced than the case in Corinth. Okay, so the author of Hebrews says this, In fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers. Wow, so not only like I expect you to be, share spiritual assumptions with me, uh, not only do I expect you to have matured a little bit, by this time, now this is an even more Jalat church, right? It's, it's the, the church in Jerusalem actually, right? Um, in fact, by this time though you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So it's the same issues. Same issues that three different pastors are facing and he goes on to say this, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. My friends, these few little uh, uh, scraps of of correspondence between pastors and their churches tell us something 
about the expectations God has for every single one of us. As we grow, as we go along, right? I don't want to assume we're always growing. That's the whole point of the sermon, right? As we go along, day by day, year on year, are you maturing? Are you growing and leaving behind simple composition food and moving on to more substantial solids? Are you feasting or are you still nibbling? Are you grazing on just whatever you can find? Or are you intentionally, purposefully knowing what nutrients you need and going after it? I desire and my passion is that we become the kind of church where everyone takes responsibility for their spiritual growth. Everyone, not because um, they've been told to, but because they love it. And at every start of the year, everyone's got Bible reading plans and everyone's got a new prayer plan and everyone's taking charge and everyone is, is self-aware and we know um, areas of our own spiritual walk where we are fumbling and stumbling and where we are weak and, 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 and grossly imperfect and we are meeting up with people People who can strengthen us in one way or another. We are seeking help. We are taking charge. We are being proactive. I long for Sungai Bulo Church to be like that. Do you want to be like that? Because I, I can tell you this, you don't have to answer yet. I think you do want to be like that in your workplace. I think we all know that pursuing goals, setting high standards, uh, and getting the year right, setting, uh, if you're in sales, you have sales goals, someone sets it for you, right? You don't have a choice unless you are, you, you are head, heading up sales, right? And even then, your bottom line sets it for you, right? If you are in some other department, you will have some kind of goals set for you by your boss or by yourself. At some, in some capacity, we start the year by needing to set certain parameters for with which we can say whether the year or the months have been successful or not. My friends, do we have the same kind of gumption for our spiritual walk? Now, I'm not asking you to replicate everything from work here. There are some things, some conditions in which it will be different. But I am exhorting you to take your spiritual walk seriously and not to just amble along year on year on year and stagnate. You know, um, there is apparently a line in Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass. I love this sentence. I heard it quoted by someone and I've actually flipped through a copy of Alice in Wonderland trying to see where I can find this and Googled it. Couldn't quite find it, but the quote is, was cited from there. So, so I can't 100%, you know, if, you, if you're familiar with Lewis Carroll's work, you can tell me. The quote goes like this. Apparently, uh, the Queen of Hearts tells Alice... Um, she tells Alice this, In my kingdom, you must run twice as fast to stay in the same place. And when I heard that, let me say that again, so you can, so you can sink it, it sinks in. Queen of Hearts tells Alice, In my kingdom, okay, she probably doesn't say it that way, she probably says, yeah, In my kingdom, or something like that, okay? In my kingdom, you must run twice as fast to stay in the same place. And this was written like, when, when was this written? Like 30s? Yeah? Um, I, 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 a long time ago, right? Maybe even earlier, right? Um, so prophetic about the world we live in. So prophetic about the world we live in, right? That if you can say, in the kingdom of the world, in the Queen of Hearts kingdom, so to speak, right? That the amount of energy 
and strength and pumping and, and, and churning that we must all put in just to stay relevant. Not even ahead of the game, not even beating the curve, just to stay relevant, just to stay in the same place, right? To retain your position. You've got to run twice as fast to stay in the same place. Now, we know that in this world, the moment you stagnate, you regress. There is no, there is no constant stagnation. Stagnation equals regress. The moment you stop, it's like, it's like riding a bike up a hill. The moment you kind of stop, you, you would, by, by, by normal sense, start rolling back down. Life, for better or worse, works, appears to work that way. And yet, when we come to church, we sometimes take it as the place where I cannot. Now, let's be fair. Sunday, you want to chill out, right? Because you work really hard on Monday to Saturday, right? Now, sometimes we come in and we say, okay, I'm just going to check out, you know, listen to a sermon, not engage too much because I'm tired. I want to rest. I want to just hear a blessing over my life. I want to go out, eat lunch and chill and have a good day. And I get that. Guys, that's my Monday. I also want that. Okay, I really also want that. Okay, but I, I am vested with the responsibility to grow you spiritually. And you've been vested with a responsibility to steward your own growth as well. So I want to work with you and paint you a vision for what kind of Christian, what kind of believer, what kind of person you are going to be if you stay here for one year, by one year, first week, second week of January in 2024. What can you say last year worked on you? How can you say that if I stay in this church for one year, I'm going to become like this? I go, I go through all the proper rigors. I, I, the church says uh, um, that this is how we are going to grow, then I go through it. If I say yes to this and yes to this and yes to this and I put myself through the process, will I grow? Grow into what? Do I even like the look of what I'm going to grow into? That's what today is all about. And so my friends, my call, my, 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 my heart for you is that you do not stagnate. And though in the world you appear to have to run twice as hard to stay in the same place, God in you, the hope of glory. In Yet not I, right? But through Christ in me, that your growth in Christ, not your growth in your own bluster, not your growth in your own kayo, okay? But your, your growth in Christ is going to help you stay, not just in the same place, but He's going to take you ahead of the curve. He's going to give you insight. Now, I say this as generalities. I genuinely, though, believe that when you put yourself into God's hands to grow, He is going to grow you in ways you cannot expect. And He's going to start having an intimacy with you where He can speak with you and give you vision and insight that's going to blow your current day mind. And with that, I want to show you a few things. Okay? Oh, there's more. Apparently, there's more. It's okay. Okay, I want to show you this. We want to grow in our command of the word, commitment to prayer, and community with believers. Okay, these are the three things. I want to kind of simplify it for you, church. This year, these are the three things we are going to grow into. Number one, we want to grow in our command of the word. Number two, we want to grow in our commitment to prayer. And number three, we want to grow in our community with our fellow believers. Number one, the command of the word. In 2 Timothy 3, 
It says here, you know, Timothy, you, Paul speaking to Timothy in his protege, right? That from infancy, you have known the sacred scriptures. So this is speaking a little bit to you. If you grew up in a Christian home, and you kind of were Christian from the time you were a kid, then this is speaking almost directly to you. You've known your whole life, had exposure, either hearing it or seeing it lying around your house, you have exposure to the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now I want to say this, if you are a convert, you didn't grow up the way Timothy did or the way some of y'all did, you know, and you came into this Christian thing, you know, afresh and new and your childhood was very different, this can also apply to you, especially the next part, because all scripture, speaking of the Old Testament, we sometimes use this and include the New Testament and in some ways it's accurate, uh, in some ways it's true, but it's not the most accurate way to think of what Paul is saying. He's speaking about the Old Testament that Timothy has, right? All of that scripture is inspired by God and that's important because it is, they are historical documents and I referred to them just now to you as correspondence between the pastor and his church. That's your epistles for you, right? That's what they are. Historical and also inspired word of God. They are inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for re teaching, for rebuking, meaning God sometimes corrects you and scolds you a little bit, you know, through them, yeah? And for training in righteousness. So the word of God, your Bible... For Timothy, it was his Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. For all of us, it is the Old and New Testaments. All of these things are there to mature us, to grow us, to help us. Uh, um, because if you know, if, if you've trained in a sport before, you know that the teaching, rebuking and correcting is all part of what a good coach does with you. right? And if, you, if you ever had to train under someone, you know all of that is one big, Glob, right? Um, and that's how God grows us. So that the man of God, or in this case, the man or woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. God wants to complete that which He has started. Now, this year, uh, I've got a plan, okay, to grow you spiritually. But you need to have your plan to grow spiritually too. From this pulpit, from this pulpit, this year's worth of sermons, we're going to take you through the book of Acts as the primary place that we want to go. Now, I'll tell you why. I'm really excited about our Acts series. And when I started plunging into the book of Acts all over again at the end of last year, I started to realize so many things about the book of Acts, which to me, I see our church in this current season in a similar place. So for one, the book of Acts speaks about the gathering of a church and the gathering of a group of believers to do things together and to enter new terrain together. That reminds me of us. The book of Acts speaks about the breaking out of the Holy Spirit. We desire after that. I enjoy, I am I, I, praying into that, that there will be a breaking out of the power of the Holy Spirit upon all of us and in greater power of prayer, greater power of, of ministry to one another. I desire for that. The book of Acts speaks about mission, evangelism, getting out there, getting into the communities that you live in and bringing the power of the Lord, of the resurrection of Jesus into the lives of people who do not yet know Him. We did that over Christmas. Book of Acts reminds me of the season we are in. 
And in so in many ways, we, I, I sense that the Lord is going to grow many of you as we go through this. Now, I don't want to over-spiritualize it. If I had chosen different books, you're still going to grow. Okay? And if we do a different way of doing pulpit, as long as it's biblical and it's solid, you're still going to grow. Okay? But I sense that the Lord is going to grow us through the book of Acts and of course touching many other parts of the Bible because the Lord has a certain alignment that He wants to bring us all into in the coming year. Now here's one thing I want to I acknowledge when I talk about the pulpit ministry. Um, for some of you, uh, uh, you will know that we came as a church plant from the main church, SIBKL. For others of you, you, you dropped in here for the first time and you have never, may not even have been connected to our mother church uh, in the past. But one thing I want to really give thanks to Pastor Chu and Pastor Lee Chu, our senior pastors, for is that when they, uh, when they guard their pulpit and when they preach from it, and that's a pulpit that I grew up being trained under them, is that they always assumed the best of their listeners. They always assumed that their listeners were ahead of the curve, could understand, were highly intelligent, and, and, and will get it. Not just will get it. Pastor Chi always tells me they've got a strong nose, Fergus, for, for, for good and bad theology. And if you're winging it and you wing it wrong, they're going to write to you, or more likely, they're going to write to me, right? And so, and so, and so uh, Pastor Chi always reminded me of the importance uh, to assume. Uh, uh, high things, right, and, and, and good things about your listeners. So you, you, you won't hear Pastor Chiu dumbing it down or, or you're oversimplifying it, assuming that his people cannot understand. That's something that I grew in listening to him and being trained by him. It's something I'm committed to in this pulpit as well. To assume that, that a, a high level of, of competency with the Word and then to take you guys from there to keep maturing you from there okay and and that's my that's my commitment is that we're going to be looking at acts in february and april the life of the, the ministry of peter in the first half and we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back in july for Acts season two s2 e1 okay comes in july okay and that's when we take on from the ministry of paul and then sometime in november october uh, we're going to be looking at the book of ecclesiastes how many of you are you like ecclesiastes you secretly like yeah you don't secretly like you love it right okay i love the book of ecclesiastes it's 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 beautiful now, um, I'm committed to also leading all of us through the books of the wisdom books, right? So you've the poetry and wisdom books of um, the Bible. If this is new stuff to you, then you can also head back to our YouTube and check out that because last year we did a mini-series on Proverbs, on the Psalms, and on Song of Solomon, you know. And so it's important as part of our devotional life to be able to get into some of these things and understand really the grey parts of relating in prayer, in cry, and in lament, and all these things to our God. Now, enough about this. I want to move on, right? That's pulpit. That's how you're going to grow from the pulpit this year, okay? I want to share with you guys some book recommendations, okay? Book recommendations because if you turn your head around, you're going to see that somewhere around the walls uh, at the back, in the coming months, okay, there's a, there's a pegboard, okay, in, in this wall. For those of you sitting here, you can't see it, okay, it's hidden, but there's a pegboard there. In the coming months, you're going to see that wall transform a little bit because we're going to build, not, not the only thing, but we're going to start a little mini library there. 
Okay, a little library there, and my commitment, a failure's commitment, is that we are going to uh, popu- curate the books. We're not just going to chuck books there. Okay, we're going to curate books that we genuinely have read, have shaped us. We think it's really helpful. We're going to curate books and put them there for you. Okay, it's going to be browsing copies only, no borrowing, unless somebody wants to volunteer to be the church librarian. Okay, um, who wants to volunteer to be a church librarian? Raise your hand right now. <laughs> oh, we have a librarian. Yes. Okay. So, so we'll start with borrowing copies only. And my personal commitment to you is that I will write a note in for, for every single book to tell you why this book is in our library and what's a good page to start reading. Because I think sometimes you give a book to you, you don't know where to start. You start with, do you start with the forward? Do you start with the introduction? Do you start with chapter one? Do you start with the blurb? You know? So I'll tell you, go read page ABC, right? Read, page, read, read chap, the first two pages of chapter five, you know? Because that gripped me. And, and, and that's why this book is in your hands, okay? And I would love to do that for you, okay? So I'm committed to that. It takes a bit of time, okay? But I'm committed to it. Now, if you're a parent or if you're uh, uh, kids, okay? You know, kids, don't worry. Parents, right? Kids, right? All the kids, right? Um, what's that? Kids at heart, okay? The Jesus Storybook Bible is amazing book. I love it. I love it so much, I would recommend every adult to read it. Uh, y'all, don't pandang renda, okay? Don't pandang renda. Now, I have never read another book so easily to read that points the Old Testament to Jesus in every single story. does it so winsomely, so well. And, and I remember standing in Canaan land and I was just flipping through the story on Daniel, right? And after, just as the story would normally end and say that, oh, so Daniel came out from the den of lion's law, so everything is okay, right? And then, yay, hero. Daniel is the hero of the story. No. No, because just as you are tempted to think that your Old Testament heroes are heroes in their own right, the author says that one day, God would send another hero and he would enter another kind of den of lions and he would also overcome those lions. And that will be the hero of the real story. And that hero is going to come soon. When I read that, I was like, so Christ-centered, this book. Yes, buy it now, now, buy it. Okay, so that's the Jesus Storybook Bible. There's an adult version, same text, just packaged differently, you know, um, without all the cute pictures and all that. Now, if your kid is getting into reading, okay, newly literate, meaning they're like six, seven, eight, you know, just kind of getting into it, the Action Bible is amazing. Okay, like, like, it's yay thick, okay? Um, and they will see Isabel's like, like applauding it already, right? Um, it's, fat, it's great because it's literally hours and hours of devouring Bible stories, told well, illustrated very well. I think it was a DC comic artist uh, who was a Christian and he did this as his own project, right? And so these are two recommendations for our younger readers. Now, if you're moving into uh, uh, early teens, okay, like, like Isabel and Emmeline and, and Richard, Richard's not here today, it's okay. Or if you know a, a, a little boy or a little girl who's just about 
preteens, right? Um, Soaring Through the Bible by Skip Heitzig um, is a really good uh, big picture of all the books in the Bible, all the major themes. So if you ever have owned a study Bible and the first few pages of your study Bible, each book will have a little bit about the author, the key themes, the world that it was written in and all that. Now, this book, okay, um, uh, does that for kids, okay, for kids or uh, or, um, maturing readers, okay, and it just gives you a good scan through the whole Bible, all the books, because, gosh, church, there's nothing like being able to command your word by understanding how your Bible is put together and all that is in it. Now, this book here, okay, is um, The Pocket Guide to the Bible by Jason Boyd. I used to own it. It was my favorite. It it really helped me to get into my Bible as a young believer in my early mid-twenties. I got a copy of this book. It's funny. It it gives you a a, a panorama of all the major characters, all the major stories, all the books of the Bible. And so it's that kind of book. But it's it's got... it, it, I, I scanned through it last night online because I lost my copy. I lent it to someone. I liked the book so much, I lent it to someone. And I don't know whether the person who got it liked it so much, they never returned it to me, right? But, but that seems to be the story of me, of my life and my favourite books. Um, I lent it somewhere, I never came back. I scanned through it last night online and I realised that, gosh, I've so outgrown this sense of humour. It's kind of like teenage humour or early 20s kind of humour. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit irreverent, just kind of like American and jokey. Um, I loved it at the time. And so if, you, if you're buying something for a teenager um, to help them to kind of like be able to grip and have fun understanding the Bible, I would still recommend this even though um, I've outgrown it. Right now, I want to show you a few more books that are for all of you. Okay, for all of you. Um, in at a time when I was growing, facilitating word in cell groups uh, um, as a cell leader, this book, Living by the Book, um, uh, really helped me. It helped me to understand uh, how to how to ask questions and how to how to do study in word. Um, this was the book that I got the quote. If you see a therefore, you, know, you need to know what the therefore is there for. Okay, so I love that quote. Every time in the Bible, if you read the word therefore, you need to know what that therefore is there for. Okay, it's a funny pun. It's good. I like it. Okay, but what I'm telling you is that that book really helped me to understand how language, how to break down a text, how to do deeper study, you know. So I found that very helpful. Now, this book here in the middle, Athelia and I both love it. I think she loves it uh, um, more than me, not because I love it uh, uh, less, but she loves it more. Um, uh, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth is by Gordon Fee. Gordon Fee recently passed away. He's like one of the top uh, 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 seminarians out there. Now, um, this book will show you same thing. It's like it's like a adult. It's a bit like an adult version of something like this. It scans through all the books of the of the Bible, all the genres of the Bible. Okay, and it helps you to understand uh, uh, issues like translation, like genres, like the different styles of writing, the literary things here happening here is different from there. You know, and so it really gives you a very solid grip on how to read your Bible. Okay, so I I. I, I really highly recommend this um, if you are a serious student. Okay, you say, 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 you say I want to take stewardship over my learning. This is an excellent. In fact, if, of all the books I'm showing you, to hit kind of like a good middle ground, you're serious about learning, hit this. Hit this first, okay? Um, Philip Yancey's book, The 
Bible Jesus read really takes you into a few parts of the Old Testament. It helps you understand the Old Testament. How many of you find the Old Testament mysterious and difficult to get into? Yeah, you can just raise your hand. It's okay. Because I, I, think, I think quite a lot of us actually do find the New Testament easier. Okay? Um, Yancy's The Bible Jesus Read helps you to enter the world of the Old Testament and he'll, he'll give you snapshots of like, for example, Deuteronomy, of one of the prophets, of one of the, of, of the, the Psalms and, and, and so on. So it gets you into the world of the thinking that birthed these writings and that read these writings. Now, so these three are a bit more middle ground, okay? Now the next three books I'm going to show you are a little bit more, I won't say advanced because advanced is actually more like seminary, student type of academic work. It's not advanced, but it's for more mature readers, okay? So these three books are for slightly more mature believers. You understand uh, uh, the terrain. You understand that in the theological world and people are trying to understand faith, that there are different viewpoints and, and there are ways of understanding your scriptures that you know may, may be a bit more accurate to the way it was originally written and how sometimes we can take interpretations a bit too far. Now, these three books I find quite helpful. So this one, How to Preach and Teach the Old Testament for All It's Worth, is not just for preachers and teachers. You will gain a lot from it even as a student of the Old Testament by understanding what are some wrong ways to make interpretation of Old Testament things, what are some unhelpful things we do sometimes that gets us bad theology, so to speak, right? Or what are some good habits that we can apply as we read the Scriptures, right? Um, I love this one, okay, uh, for very interesting reasons. The author spent years as missionary in Indonesia and he realised that when he tries to approach the Indonesians with, a very, with, his, with the way he understands scripture, that the local Indonesian believers had a very different way of interpreting the text. And, 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 and if he realised that actually a lot of it came from his own westernised Assumptions, and so it's fascinating to see um, how uh, different cultures and different cultural lenses result in very different ways of thinking about scripture. There's a very fascinating one about the David and Uriah. One well, I won't get into it, but I just want to whet your appetite about David, Uriah, Bathsheba, and when you th see that whole story through the lens of a shame culture, right? A shame and guilt culture honour-shame culture, right, of an Eastern world, you realise that, wow, this could have been very deep and very layered, right? And so, whetting your appetite for that. Now, Blue Parakeet is one of my personal favourites, helps you to rethink um, the way we read our Bibles and, and some of the assumptions that we carry into it, you know, helps us to understand a little bit about how, um, how interpretation uh, can be very different depending on what kind of lens we have as well. So these are things that are going to show up in our library, but you don't need to wait. You can, you'll see some of you are taking pictures of it already, you know. And leaders, you all just got a voucher, right? Um, go spend your money wisely. <laughs> okay, alright, now, we want to grow in the command of the word, right? We want to grow also in commitment to prayer. So switch gears, switch gears. Got to turn, turn, turn the knobs a little bit. Everybody, everybody, turn to the person next to you, okay, and just ask them which of these three books, which of these, all these books, uh, 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 stood out for you, okay? Jesus Storybook Bible, Action Bible, Skip Heidzik, Soaring Through, 
the pocket guide, living by the book, how to read the Bible, Gordon Fee, Yancy, Old Testament, misreading through Western eyes and blue parakeet. Okay, we're done. Commitment to prayer. This year, we want to grow in a commitment to prayer and I'll tell you why this is so important. I'll tell you why this is so important, okay? If you don't have a living, breathing line, all the word that you ingest, it can sometimes, sometimes, just all get stored up as information with no formation. Are you hearing me? You, you end up with a lot of information, but you don't have a lot of spiritual forming happening, right? You can end up with a lot of refutation, like you can start arguing with people, no, because what's happening in the Bible is... You can do all of that, but you don't have a maturing spirit. You can have a lot of facts, but you can walk around without the humility and the spiritual maturity that we are looking for. It is in the place of prayer that God comes and meets you and be intimate with you. And sometimes He's going to show you a side of His face that is going to startle you. It is in the place of prayer that He is going to speak to you where you speak to Him and He speaks to you and you develop a habit and a lifestyle of exchange and transaction with the Lord. It is so vital, so important. And if I may say one thing, that it is in the place of prayer, when you pray together, that you finally learn to understand what it means to hear the Lord as a community of believers. Not just as isolated, individual kind of pixels, you know, in your respective home, you know, with no context around it. But when you come together, there is a picture being formed. And everyone's hearing from God, and everyone's speaking back to God, adds to the larger narrative of what God is doing for, with us collectively. So I want to show you this, right? In Colossians 4, it says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert. So prayer and alertness is always coming together. Watchmen stay awake at night to watch the horizon. When watchmen watch the horizon, you know what they're watching for? Threats coming. They are watching so that they see what comes before the rest of the city. They see it on behalf of the city. So if they see a threat coming on the horizon, that's why they are on the watchtower. They have a different vantage point. So prayer is very much like that. You have a vantage point that's different from when you're not praying. Prayer is different because you are being alert and watchful. Often at times when other people are not being alert and watchful, you are being alert and watchful for them. And you are doing this on behalf of those who can't or on behalf of those who are called to something else at that time. Every single one of us are called to pray, to be watchful and to hear and to be sensitive and alert to what God is doing and what's happening in the world on behalf of those who are not yet in the faith where we are at right now. And so church, I want to exhort every single one of you Take your prayer life seriously because God takes His speaking to you seriously. And if God takes His speaking to you seriously, but you never open the door to receive His speaking in, then I'm not quite sure why we have hands and feet to walk to doors. He's given us the power to steward our gates. We are gatekeepers over our senses. He will gatekeepers over our ability to speak and listen, to our receiving and our giving. But He has ordained it 
decreed over us His desire to keep speaking and His desire for us to keep hearing. Now, that's now our part to take, his, to take our prayer life seriously. And so I, want to encourage, I just want to share with you guys something I'm very encouraged by. Our Dominate Altar on Saturdays is now going to have a new duration. We are going from one hour to one and a half hours. And I'll tell you why. It was originally one and a half hours, then pandemic struck after we, we ran it for three months physically, and for the last two years, we've gone back to a one-hour uh, uh, online kind of format, but we want to encourage more people to come physically right now. And so we want to take you, Pastor Ramesh, uh, uh, um, uh, is, the, is the primary custodian of, of, of the prayer kind of like teaching and training in our church. And so Pastor Ramesh has a plan for you guys to grow to understand the dynamics of prayer, to understand what intercessory prayer is like. That's a bit like the watchmaning thing that I just told you, how you can intercede for other people, pray on other people's behalf, and then to go deep and intimate in devotional prayer and to see how we can go to the next level of prayer by bringing in prayer and fasting, by bringing praying over issues of injustice and so on and so forth. Now, my friends, this is important. I want to give you guys one spiritual goal this year. Your spiritual goal this year is to make attending Dominate Altar a part of your week. That's my challenge for you. I don't mean once a week, once a month. I mean make it a part of your new weekly rhythms. That's my challenge to you. Turn it into your weekly rhythm. So the things that you used to do on Saturday mornings, I want to encourage you to go back to your calendar and see, can I do those things elsewhere in the week? Can I spread them out into different parts of the week? Has my calendar gone through its own kind of evolution such that maybe God has been already freeing up capital elsewhere so that I can do some of my Saturday morning things elsewhere so that I can come on Saturday mornings and pray as a church family together? That's my challenge to you. Now, for some of you, you just cannot come on Saturday mornings. You work on Saturday mornings. You really just can't. I've got good news for you. Starting March, we're going to introduce a Friday night slot for our Dominate Altar. Every fourth week on Friday night, we pray. Instead of Saturday, so the Saturday morning, the after is lapang, it's free, right? Every fourth week is a Friday night, 8.30, right here. We always pray right here. And then sometimes we go prayer walking around here and we land back right here. Okay? So if Saturdays, for some reason, professionally, you're working, that Friday night, join us. Okay? I'm done talking about that. Now, the next one. And with this, I'm kind of coming and starting to land the plane. We want to grow in the command of the Word. We want to grow in commitment to prayer. We want to grow in our community with the believers. And so I want to show you this. In Ephesians, Paul writes this. Speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him. So we are growing into Him. Huh? I just want to make you hear the English here, the construction. Grow into Jesus. Grow into Him who is the head, Christ. So we are not growing in an undirected way. We are not growing in, uh, uh, in, uh, on our own terms. We are growing in Christ and we are growing into Christ. We are growing in, 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 in reflection of Jesus. Amen? 
growing into Him, from Him, the whole body, from Jesus, the head, the whole body, that's all of us, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So this is what this text is really trying to say. When all the individual parts come together and grow into Christ together, we are melding. It's a little bit like when, when, when cells come together and they just kind of like glue and combine to become tissues, right? And then under the right circumstances, of course, right? And, and it's like how uh, um, bricks, you put them together and you kind of uh, uh, hold them together with an adhesive and they become a wall. Right? And that's what's happening here When the individual parts are all properly working And coming together and growing on their own And when they come together They are fit and knit together To grow into something that's even bigger It grows into the body of the one we are growing like The head, Jesus Christ And so my friends It's very important that we grow in a community together that I can tell you who the enemy goes for Satan goes for the lone wolf. He does. And I always tell this to my kids when we're walking in malls and one of them will just stray and I'll tell them, stay in the pack. Stay in the pack. Because anyone wants to kidnap the kids, y'all hear this, right, kids? Okay? Anyone wants to kidnap the kids, they go for the lone wolf, right? The one antelope baby that strays, you know, sure gonna die. You'll watch enough documentaries, right? You watch enough documentaries to know that. Same thing, this one, huh? Okay, kids, stop, stop uh, 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 naming each other as the lone wolf, okay? The adults are so scared now, you're gonna start naming them, right? That's true. But when you stay together, God uses the family to protect each other. Now, now I, I can't tell you how important it is especially in this age where people are so easily isolated through social media and through our, 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 our terrible, not terrible, our, our, our painstaking work hours. You know, that, no, painstaking is the wrong word as well, but, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? Our long work hours, our, our very isolating social digital habits, you know, um, and so on and so forth. It's bringing us to become less, uh, 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 less, less astute in coming together as a family. All the more we have to come together, you know, or to use the language of the Queen of Hearts. We have to run twice as hard, just twice as fast, just to stay in the same space. We really need to put work into building a church family. Now, this year, I want to encourage you to be part of a cell group. Okay, I want to encourage you to be part of a cell group. We've got seven cell groups here in our church, okay? And we've got, uh, uh, we've got seven cell groups here in our church um, and one more cell group that is new, that is being birthed some, uh, uh, um, a little distance away from us, but don't worry about that. I want to acknowledge all the cell group leaders here. I know I've, I've only got space on this uh, uh, for four photos, okay? I want to encourage all the cell leaders, can you just stand to your feet? All right, cell leaders, can you rise to your feet? Um, we've got Nyom and Melissa over there. Uh, uh, um, they lead a cell called God's Glory. Uh, we've got Jack Ng over there. He leads a cell called Bow and Arrow. Okay. Um, now, I, some of our cell leaders are not here. Some are traveling. Uh, some are working and so on and so forth. Okay. But um, I want to encourage... Okay. 
Stay standing, stay standing, okay? All of you who are in a cell group, stand. Okay, meaning you attend regularly. You attend a cell group regularly, full of joy, rise to your feet. Uh, bow and arrow, rise to your feet, you know? Uh, feet of Jesus, I see some of you. Zone leader, rise to your feet. Zone leaders, risen to their feet, right? If you're, thank you so much. Now, Later, after the service, okay, our friends here, okay, some of them will be hanging around the, the, the little bunting there called Ask Me Counter. If you are interested, the Ask Me Counter is really, it's the counter where you go and ask them anything, okay? Okay, you maybe see that, you maybe see that. Now, this year, I want to encourage all of you guys to take being part of a church family seriously. And when, and when I say that, I mean that join a cell group, okay? Okay, kids, no more running around, all right? All right. Um, now, I want to encourage all of you Go to the Ask Me counter and say I'm looking for a cell group I live in such and such area Can you help connect me to someone? And one of all of these people who are standing up Will connect you with someone All right, Be part of a cell group Last thing I want to launch today For you all to see It's very exciting I'll save what I consider maybe one of the best for last Okay. How many of you all like Labor Day holiday? Yeah, you're like, y'all don't like holiday one, ah? I, I, like, I like Labor Day, I take any public holiday, uh, um, uh, but I like Labor Day holiday because it's symbolic of stop working, right? Sometimes we work over Agong's holiday, birthday, some days we work over Raya, but Labor Day is Labor Day, man, yeah? Okay, now this year we're gonna go away on Labor Day, right? and really bond as a family. So we're having a church camp, our first ever church camp for the whole church, okay? All of you guys, okay? 29th April, 30th April, and Labor Day, 1st May. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So the next day is, am I right? It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I think, yeah, okay? And so, and it's going to be in Grand Kampa Hotel, okay? I was joking with the leaders yesterday. Don't turn uh, to the wrong place and end up in the Grand Budapest Hotel, okay? It's the Grand Kampa Hotel. Uh, um, uh, and, and you can sign up for it already, okay? Because there is, if you can scan this thing, okay, you can already sign up for it. But if you don't get to scan this thing, go to the Ask Me counter. Someone will have it on their mobile device and you can scan it from them there and you can tell us you want to be at the church camp. You don't have to make payments for it yet. It will be a three-day, two-night in a hotel. There'll be a camp fee for it, but you'll get more uh, uh, um, um, uh, out of it. So I want to encourage you to sign up for church camp because when we go, we're going to have all of the thing, growth things that I talked about all in one place. You will grow in the command of the word on the way there and there. You will grow in your commitment to prayer on the way there and there. And you will definitely grow in your community with the fellow believers while you are there. So please sign up for church camp because it will be one of the defining parts of your church life in 2023. Amen? Now, to close, our goals. Our growth goals for our spiritual walk. This is a suggestion. All of you guys are at different places and if you're not ready to attack the Bible in one year, attack something like the New Testament in one year. Speak to me. I'm a junkie over these things. I'll help you design a growth plan. But the word goal that I have for you, read the Bible in one year. If you go to the Ask Me counter later, I have prepared a stack of, of it's a Bible reading plan 
that really helps you to read your whole Bible if you've always failed. Because you read Genesis, Exodus, and then near end of Exodus, it gets really tedious because there's all this, you know, uh, um, yeah, Jack is holding it up right now, okay? Go there, get it from him. End of Exodus, it gets really hard because it's all these Levitical priestly garments and all these things and you're like losing interest. Leviticus, if you didn't die in Leviticus, you'll die at the start of Numbers. Somewhere, if you're trying to read your Bible sequentially, like within the first mile, okay, you're going to trip into a hole and you might not get out if you're not an experienced reader or if you don't understand the full context. If you make it out from that, you're going to hit 171 chapters between uh, uh, Isaiah 1 and Ezekiel 48. Three major prophets with lamentations in between. Guys, that's not easy reading. It's going to be a lot of tears and, and, and judgment and prophetic stuff. And if you're not an experienced reader, you're going to come toy there as well, okay? So, so and, and somewhere along the line, if you're going to read it sequentially, guys, you're only going to hit the Jesus story eh, in Q4. I don't want you to hit the Jesus story only in Q4. I want you to hit the Jesus story constantly. And so the Bible reading plan that I've made for every one of you spreads everything out. It helps you to clear small books early so that you're winning and, you're, and it's fun and it's rewarding. It helps you to touch the Jesus story constantly so that at the end of the year, you actually read the four Gospels, Acts and Romans, twice through and everything else once through. And there are enough break days for you to feel like you can miss a day and not have to have this dreaded, I have to catch up every single day I miss kind of thing. Because there's about four to five days of reading a week and that's it. You've got like two, three days, you know, of, of break days where you can catch up or read different things, okay? Now, that's my word goal for you. I have a prayer goal for you, right? I told you my prayer goal. Attend Dominate Altar every week, okay? And here's the thing. There's a community goal for you. Become part of a cell group this year. And I have a, another community goal for you. Sign up for camp. Okay, now you may have your own spiritual growth goals. I have a more broken down version of my own spiritual growth goals this year as well. And I want every single one of you right now to make a commitment to grow in one area because you owe it to the Lord in your own stewardship. And even if some of you, I don't want to be presumptuous, you may not even be Christian, you may not even have given your whole life and you have bend your knee fully to Jesus and say, you are my Lord, my Saviour, my God, my King, everything. Okay? And that's okay. And for you, you can say, my goal, goal this year is I would just like to learn more about Jesus. And that's how I want to steward my exposure to church. I want to learn more about Jesus. That's all. And that's a great growth goal. And for the rest of you, I want every single one of you to pick one and then share it in your cell group or share it with your spouse, share it with someone who can hold you accountable and walk on this journey together. Amen? Amen? Right now, I want all eyes closed. All eyes closed. All heads bowed. Whatever that is, it is that growth goal that the Lord has put in your heart. Is it a word growth goal? Do you want to attack your Bible better this year? Do you want to be better at setting realistic Bible plans? Do you want to grow more disciplined in picking a sensible time of the day to read your Bible? Or do you have a prayer plan? Do you want to just say, God, I want to pray better. God, I, I, I want to hear your voice. God, I want to learn to pray the Scriptures. 
Or maybe you feel convicted, yes, Saturday mornings I can give to God. Is it a community goal? God, I've been a lone wolf for so long. I want to come into a family and understand what it means to yield some of my individualism in favour of being part of a collective. Lord, whatever it is, I want to commit my growing into your hands today. Church, I want you all to rise right now. I want us all to rise. Hold your hands open in front of you. I want to open the altar for ministry. If you have, I'm going to give you, make it quite specific. If you're the kind of person, you're quite jaded with, with setting goals because you feel that all these resolution things, that jadi one, always broken one, you know, and you are, you're, you're quite, you're, you're quite sceptical about this whole process. But the Lord is saying, okay, I hear you. But still, I want you to steward your, your growth. So I want to I be with you. I want to lead you. I want to walk with you. And I know it has been hurt, hurting to try and fail many times. This time, I want to do this with you. If that is you, in a moment, I want you to come to the front because we want to pray alongside you. If a different group now, if you are really determined and maybe this is your first time really doing this in earnest and you're saying, God, I really want to get this right. I really want to steward my growing with you right. I have not really done it in an organized way before. This is the year. This is the year. I want you to step to the front, right? It does, don't worry, no one looking around. All eyes closed anyway. All heads bowed anyway, okay? Um, uh, but if that is you, I want you to take a step forward. And someone will be here to pray for you. Can I have the prayer, the, the, the prayer team coming to the front ready to minister as well? If that is you, you want, you want prayer, come to the front, right? We'll pray alongside you. Amen? Come, let us pray. Let us pray. As, a, as we're going to worship, as we're going to worship, I want every single one of us to engage. The altar is open. Come forward and be prayed for. Amen? Yeah. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We commit this year into your hands. We commit our aspirations into your hands. We commit our stewardship into your hands. Lord Jesus, may you be in our daily walk. May you be with us each morning as we begin our day. For your faithfulness is new every morning. May you be with us as we regularly review our habits and our walk with you. May you give us insight into where we, are, where we are going well and where we can keep improving. May you bring people around us to strengthen our walk and to keep us on the straight and narrow. And may you be real in our hearts so that when we encounter you, Lord God, we don't even have to, 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 to put in so much effort in the sense that when you convict our hearts, Lord, we pray that the conviction will be so powerful, so real and tangible of our lives that who would not be drawn into a close walk with you. So Lord Jesus, I speak your blessing over our church on this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance toward you and give you shalom. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. And come, Amen. let's just Hallelujah. give God praise. Amen. Let's give God praise. I'm not sure if there's a little bit of quay in the, in, in the, in the cafeteria, uh, but if you like, you can go and check it out and help us finish up all the quay. Until I see you guys, both physically and online, 
God bless you with a fantastic week. We'll see you. Love you. Bye-bye.